Welcome to the Possibility Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Middleton, aka Possibility Man. We are committed to bringing you guests who strive to better people's lives and serve as a force for good in the world. Today, our guest is Karen Dent. Karen earned her Bachelor's of Business Administration from Wilfrid Laurier University. She is a certified wellness coach by the Mayo Clinic. She is a Jogong guide, and she is the founder of Discover You Coaching. Karen, welcome to the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Stephen. Yeah, when I, yeah, when I came across you, I, I knew that I wanted to talk to you because of your experiences as a coach. I'm also interested in your journey. But before we dig into that, could yeah. you give us a glimpse, glimpse into your professional life before you started doing what you do now? Yeah, so I started, so I was working, well, I went to school in Ontario, Canada. And then after I graduated, I worked in Toronto for a number of years. And I worked in marketing and promotions. I uh, started at, ironically enough, at a pharmaceutical company. Um, it was one of my first jobs. I did courier sales and um, was really just curious and trying lots of different, you know, options in the marketing field. Uh, landed at a coffee company chain similar to Starbucks called Second Cup, worked there as a buyer and a merchandiser, and then went over to the agency side of things and uh, did some promotions marketing uh, there. And then my husband and I moved to the U.S. Uh, 2002, and then I worked there again at an agency for another pharmaceutical company. Um, which I think is just fascinating. Fascinating to understand how that whole world works, given what I know now um, and how my health journey has evolved. So, you know, when you look back and you go, oh, that was interesting, right? How that all sort of feeds into where you are in the current. Yeah. yeah. Well, interesting. Well, you have had an interesting background. So give us a glimpse, though, into the pharmaceutical world. What was that like? And you know, what did you carry to doctor's offices and what did you, what kinds of things would you say to them about, about your wares? So I didn't go, so I did a very brief stint in sales. Um, and so in that, and sales was not so much with doctors, but going to pharmacies and selling, you know, getting product into the pharmacies, right. Making sure they were well-stocked. Um, but in that world, you know, it was very profit driven, right? So when you think of health and wellness, you're thinking, okay, these products, you know, the focus of these companies is to improve the health and wellness of the people they're serving, but really the priority is to make profit, right? You know, when we were doing our brand marketing presentations and building those, th excuse me, those things mm -hmm. out, it was more about, okay, well, what's, how do we maximize, maximize profit? How do we bring in revenue? And while those products were serving a purpose, that was really the primary focus of those, of okay. those Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you're doing something totally different now. So what what led you to this? Let's call it a pivot or to this shift yes. in your professional life. What led to this? Uh, so I stayed home for a number of years with my children, and then when my daughter was back in school full time, I was thinking, okay, I'm ready, ready for the next thing. I didn't want to go back to that marketing world, the nine to five. So I I chose. I was thinking, I'm just going to be a yoga instructor and 
that was going to be my thing. And I really loved health and wellness. I researched it, you know, thank God for the internet. You can do all kinds of research there. And, uh, then I started having symptoms. Um, and I had itchy burning sensation on, on my jawline, numbness, tingling, and, you know, just thought at first it was a, you know, a pinched nerve. I did some chiropractic, I did some physical therapy, and ultimately, um, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I see. Yeah. And I want to come back to that in a moment, but you mentioned yoga. What yeah. attracted you to yoga? I mean, I find that interesting that even before your diagnosis, there was something else that was calling you. What called you? What called me? Uh, this sense, you know, I think I'd had a lot of what I call now trauma growing up, um, experiences within my family, um, particularly with my father, um, that, and some bullying. And so all these things, I think over time, you know, they leave an imprint on you and on your nervous system. And so I was really looking for something to, to calm that down. And initially it was more of the physical practice, but then I realized, oh, there's like this component to it. That's also, you know, it's that mind, body, soul. And so I just, I just loved it. And I loved how I felt after, you know, just laying on the mat in Savasana and just that feeling of calm and peace, um, was just something that I'd never experienced before in another practice. Right. right. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, life itself it can be traumatic for most of us because think about it. We are born. <laughs> right, that's traumatic. <laughs> we, 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 we cannot get articulated, but that has to be pretty traumatic there. <laughs> right. um, so, um, so you know, I'm just talking out of my, my head and just thinking about what you just said. It's like, you know, you go through life and you have these experiences and sometimes things, energy can get stuck apparently in your bio system. Yes. Uh, and how do you, how do you get, what did you learn about getting that stuff out? Before we, I don't want to go too far with this because I want to get back to, to your diagnosis now, but I'm thinking about stuck energy. I'm wondering, wait a minute, you have an experience, something gets stuck, you either deal with it or it stays with you forever. What did you learn about that, getting rid of stuck energy, especially in connection with growing up with your father? Yeah. Um, so where I really started to dive into this was through the practice of Qigong. Mm. Um, so chi is energy and gong is work. And really qigong is about activating your own body's innate intelligence through the form of energy, right? And this is rooted in traditional Chinese medicine, which in traditional Chinese medicine, the belief is that all disease is rooted in stuck energy. And where that energy is stuck is not necessarily related to where you're, where you're having symptoms. So, and that is where, and that practice is really where I start to felt, to feel that energy shift, yeah. right? Which is pretty amazing. And I, you know, someone told me about Qigong and I was like, Qi what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never heard of this before, but you know, when you're in a place where I was, I was ready to try anything, you know, um, where there's, you know, potential benefit and low risk. Why not? Um, and as I practiced more, I just felt this shift in my emotional well-being, yeah. right? Like things just being released. Um, so that was really cool. Yeah, that is cool. You know, speaking of energy and doing a practice that, you know, allows you to release it. 
my neighbor is in the mid 80s and you know i visited her from time to time and we were having a conversation she was talking about her health and you know it was difficult for her to exercise i said well you know something have you heard of tai chi tai chi kwan yeah. and she said no that just sort of some movements and you know she went from being just so down and then she began to smile yeah. But then she said, I feel the energy when I move my hand. And I said, wow, you know, that was amazing. And she shifted her energy like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you yeah. introduced her to that. Well, I introduced her to, to Tai Chi, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, I came across it many years ago. I was walking through Washington Square Park in New York. And I saw this little woman doing these movements. I said, whoa, what is that? Would you teach me something? <laughs> and she taught me something that was fun. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So you've had experience with it as I've well. I've had some experience with it. And uh, I've been around some Tai Chi, uh, some quick Jigong guys as yourself in the past. Too, so it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, then, then Karen, then you, you know, you're doing well. You're doing it professionally. You raise your kids and life is looking pretty good, you know, college mm -hmm. educated. And then you got this diagnosis. Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't mind, can you take us into, you know, your reflections upon hearing multiple sclerosis shock mm. you know i was active you know up until that point i was doing uh, duathlons which is a run bike run type of race uh, <coughs> yoga running i was doing all kinds of things to be active and felt like my diet was pretty good um and so it was devastating yeah. um and, you know, and it's just the fear that comes with the diagnosis and, you know, and, and like Deepak Chopra has written a book about sometimes it's the diagnosis that's the nail in the coffin, not the actual disease, because it's the mindset around it. There's so much fear of what does this mean? What does this mean for me long term? And, you know, for whatever reason, pretty shortly after I received the diagnosis, I, I said to myself, Self, this will not define me. Yeah. You know, and, and I was fortunate that I had the time that I could start researching different modalities. And what was really difficult is, you know, the neurologist right away, you know, I started out with clinically isolated syndrome, which is one lesion. And immediately they wanted me to do the drugs. Well, mm. which is fine. And I, and that's a, a choice, it's an option. Um, but those drugs come with significant side effects and are not always effective for everyone. And so I chose not to do the drugs and that came with shame, mm -hmm. right? You aren't doing what you should be doing to pretend, potentially deal with this disease in the way that, you know, conventional medicine says to deal with this disease. And I understand that. And that's, and I don't fault, you know, physicians because that's all they have in their, their toolbox. Right. Um, so I chose different. I chose differently. Um, I took a different path, which has sort of been a theme of my life, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I opted to change my diet. You know, Dr. Terry Walls, I don't know if you're familiar. Yes, I've heard of her. Yes. Yes. So she is a physician, an MD, and she um, ended up with secondary progressive MS. And, you know, I feel like the universe plants seeds for you if you're looking. Um, so before I was diagnosed, I watched her TED talk called Minding My, Minding My Mitochondria, where she, through food, was able to reverse her symptoms by following a paleo diet, right? Wow. 
That's impressive. That was inspiring to me, you know, and to have that sort of seed planted before my diagnosis, I went, okay, well, I'm going to start with that before I do the drugs. That's great. That's great. You've you've said some things that are very important here. You know, you, you got the diagnosis and you said you decided that the diagnosis would not define me. And you can apply that right to anything, to a trauma. You know, someone that may have grown up with an alcoholic parent mm-hmm. and then they, they they never leave the alcoholic parent. But what you said was that, look, it's not the event because the event is the event, but it's also your mindset, how you see it. Can you tell us how, I mean, how did you work through that? Was it like, I don't know, was it overnight or? Well, <clears throat> well and interestingly enough, because of how I grew up, I grew up in a home where, you know, my parents never had a microwave. They were very much believers in cooking real food, not prepackaged, not that we didn't have sugar. I mean, my father was a pastry chef by trade, so we had plenty of sugar and, you know, sweets in the house. Um, but, you know, homeopathy was a part of my upbringing. And I also had a father who was very distrustful of the medical system because of his own life experience. And so I I think we were taught as kids to question. Don't just take what anyone says to you as being absolute truth, whether it's from a physician or anyone else, you know, think about it for yourself, question what they're telling you. And so I think those two things combined, that again was a seed that was planted for me to say, well, this doesn't feel right. Like I didn't want to take the drugs as the first go-to without trying something else. Uh, And so, and I think it it was such a shock to me to be a healthy person, what I thought was a healthy person to then have this diagnosis that it just, it didn't feel good to then go around saying, I have MS. And, and uh, you know, I don't know how much personal development stuff, I think you've probably read a bunch of it. You know, this idea that if you define yourself in a certain way, that that is who you become. Mm-hmm. So I never referred to it as I have MS. I would always say I was diagnosed with MS. I like that. Yeah. Right? Because that leaves the, it, it doesn't then mean that I am this. Yeah. I am not this. Mm-hmm. I am not MS. I am Karen. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a huge yeah. difference. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Um, so, um, so you began this, this journey of, of looking at nutrition. Yes. Lifestyle changes. So what kind of lifestyle changes did you make? So immediately, and I went and I saw a nutritionist and started on this paleo journey of, I didn't do the autoimmune um, fully. So I got rid of all grains. So not just gluten, but all grains, dairy. For a short period, I did the nightshade vegetables because it can be pretty inflammatory for some people. And then the legumes. And, you know, it's pretty restrictive. So I did it for a period of time and then started adding some things in. But what I have, you know, sort of the core of what I do now is no gluten, very little dairy, except for maybe butter um, and limiting sugar. Mm -hmm. As sugar has really become one of the most inflammatory, inflammatory foods 
that we put in our body in such enormous amounts. Right, that's right. So is that when you is that where you came to what you I saw it on, on your site, uh, LinkedIn site in particular, food is medicine. Is that where you know in your journey with making these kinds of changes, is that where you came to this? Oh, food is medicine. You know, I can make some yeah. better choices. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, food is medicine and nourishing, nourishing ourselves, right? Like mm-hmm. Our soil is so depleted now, it's really difficult for us to get all the nutrients that our cells need to heal and thrive, even just from the food, but food is baseline. And then you need to start adding on, you know, the magnesium that's missing from the soil. Sure. It's amazing how many, you know, and I think about this pretty frequently now because I've gotten turned on to lifestyle nutrition as well as that. You know, you could go to a good vegetable market and it's amazing what's available there yeah. that can improve your situation, you know, in from your own kitchen. Yeah. And I'm sure that's what you've discovered, right? That you could actually improve the situation in yeah. your own kitchen. Yeah, right. Isn't that empowering though? Isn't that, and that's the thing. And that's, you know, fast forward to the coaching is just, we have this power to transform our health, yeah. right? Outside of, what all the noise is out there just by what you put on your plate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. I uh I went to the Center for Disease Control's website, the CDC, recently, and I looked up lifestyle medicine. Okay. And you know what they said? They said that you know a lot of chronic diseases that can be reversed or at least ameliorated by people making better choices of what they put into their body system. Isn't that something? The CDC reports that. Right, right. They know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They know it too. I just think we have lost our connection to that. Mm -hmm. So was it hard for you, um, Karen, to, because, you know, people have their choice. You're right. You got the power. You can say yes to the drugs or no to the drugs. Was it hard for you to say no to the drugs initially? I'm not into drugs. Do what you got to do, you know, when you got to do it. I'm okay with that. But was it hard for you to say no to the drugs? And did you have peer pressure, family pressure telling you, girl, take the drugs? Yes. It wasn't wasn't hard for me to say no because intuitively that felt right Mm. for me. What was difficult, you know, because I grew up a people pleaser. And so when you have people then going, well, wait a minute, are you sure that's the right thing? You know, they start questioning your approach because they don't know, right? They don't, they haven't done the research. And I understood that, but it still was hard to then um, be questioned mm-hmm. about my choices. Sure. And um, but it was a really good lesson at the same time to know, you know, it's easy to judge somebody else's, somebody else for their choices right. without walking in their shoes. And what was really telling for me is, One of the neurologists that I saw, you know, I'd gone back for, because I wasn't doing the drugs, they wanted me to do MRIs every six months, you know, and that was stressful because every time you go into that machine, you're like, oh my gosh, what's, you know, what's this going to tell me? So the MRIs actually became a greater source of stress than actually having this, you know, diagnosis. And there came a point where my neurologist at the time said, you know, another lesion had come up. And I still wasn't taking the drugs. And he said, you know, I have colleagues who would no longer see you as a patient 
I'll still support you. Um, but no, like he was basically saying that you're not doing the right thing. I'll still see you, but I have colleagues that would no longer see you. And I said, well, that's not really supportive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I no, think I'm yeah. going to go, I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, so yeah, it was definitely, there were difficult moments and moments of shame and questioning, but I always, and certainly asking questions and talking to people. I have a very good friend who has her PhD in immunology and she worked on one of the MS drugs and we had long conversations about it. And it's still just in my gut. I was like, Oh, just the thought of it didn't sit well. Right, I understood, and you know, and I'm I'm well doctored. I got a bunch of doctors, you know, for sure. But I think as I've grown older and seen a lot of doctors, it's important to understand that some doctors, perhaps many doctors, I don't know how many, but they're trained in a certain way. Yes, and their their solutions, you know, in their in their wheelhouse yes. is pharmacological. And yes. just understand that's the way they're trained. Um, and then so people have to understand though that they have they can make better choices and, and as you find it. Uh, in your biography, I also found something about functional nutrition. And that's about what we're talking about. But I want you to tell us more about what you learned about mm-hmm. functional nutrition. Functional nutrition. So, you know, functional medicine is basically, you know, where conventional medicine looks at symptoms, comes up with a diagnosis and treats based on that symptoms, right? It's all symptoms based. Functional medicine is looking at root cause. What's the root cause of of this? And, you know, what is, my story has changed as of last fall, so almost a year ago, where I went to a functional medicine practitioner who did a bunch of testing. You know, they were looking at my gut microbiome. They did Lyme's testing and mold. Those were the three different tests that they looked at. And I had, you know, issues in all three, but what's fascinating to me is, you know, when I was first diagnosed with MS, I kept getting this, like, are you sure it's MS? Maybe it's Lyme's because Lyme's is the great mimicker of many autoimmune diseases, like lupus, MS is one of them. And, and I thought, you know, that actually makes more sense to me because one of the, you know, the home that we lived in before this, we were on wetlands. And we used to have to do tick checks before we came in the house. Like we would find ticks on the dog, on the kids, on myself. That makes a whole lot more sense than this MS. But, you know, the testing for it is very limited. There's lots of false negatives. So anyways, I went to this functional um, medicine practitioner who ultimately diagnosed or said that I had Lyme's, chronic Lyme's. So from their perspective... I have limes from conventional medicine, it's MS. Yeah. From my perspective, it's what I did to heal my body didn't matter what the diagnosis is. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes so sense. Functional nutrition then is really about using food to heal the body. Yeah. Um, and so I actually just finished a functional nutrition coaching program through Mind Body Green. Wow. Okay. So yeah. How, was that? Yeah. How was that experience for you? Super fascinating um, because they bring in all these different experts like um, Dr. Hyman, Mark Hyman, who you may be familiar with, um, Jeffrey Bland, who's the father of functional medicine. Um, so they feature all these different 
you know, practitioners of functional medicine who have different approaches, you know, some are paleo, some are vegan, you know, plant-based only, but what the common theme that I sort of saw in all of it was the gut holds the key. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's for sure. Wow, wow, wow. You know, I've often thought, because like you, I mean, I've talked to a lot of doctors and lifestyle medicine doctors, functional health doctors, traditional doctors, uh, homeo, you know, all of these, you know, uh, naturopaths. And Karen, I think, why don't you doctors just get together? (laughs) You know, practices should not have one specialty, but a bunch of these different specialties. Uh, Yeah, so. Mm -hmm. Now, you also spend some time training uh, at the Mayo Clinic. Yes. Uh, through their program, our wellness program. What was that like for you? What, what kinds of things did you learn from that experience? So that experience was really about learning how to coach. Mm. And um, so it was a very small group. There was 27 of us. Um, most of it was online, but we did have like a four day retreat, um, which was immersive and just full of information and opportunity to practice, Mm. practice an art, right? It's an art and a science where you're using motivational interviewing. And the whole premise of it is, but this is what resonated with me so much, right? Because this is my philosophy too. And why I chose that program is the client is the expert in their own life. Mm. Wow. You as the coach are there to elicit from them what makes the most sense for them based on their experience, based on their values, based on their strengths. So it's bringing that up, you know, asking those open-ended questions. And oftentimes, you know, the process is so amazing because they will usually know the answer. Well, I should be doing this. I know I need to be doing this. And then it's you reflecting that back to them and them going, oh, oh, I kind of do know. And then, you know, where the coach comes in is partnering with them to then set those, you know, smart, smart goals is what they call them. Um, And then holding them accountable, right? Yeah, I love it, Karen. I mean, I love it because what I hear you, what I hear you say is that in your training as a coach, you you learn to recognize that wisdom Mm -hmm. is the person that you're talking to. Right. It's it's not only wisdom in the coach, wisdom is in the person that you're talking to. And you try to get your your client to, to see that. I love it. That's wonderful. Yeah. It's beautiful. So, so what's this thing about, uh, and I say this thing about, because I don't know much about it. I've never heard the phrase before. I love the phrase though. And <laughs> it's sustainable well-being. What do you mean by that? So there's lots of programs out there that you can follow, whether it's paleo or keto or, you know, and those programs were designed for a certain person that tried it and maybe a number of people, Um, but they're not always sustainable, right? So when I say sustainable, it's it's picking and choosing the things that work for you as an individual, Um, because we are all unique expressions, right? Um, And so why we think that we need to pigeonhole ourselves into one mode or style of a diet or thinking um, you know, is just, it's the reality is it doesn't work that way for a lot of people. And so that's what I mean by sustainable. So it's not a quick fix. 
you know, when I'm working with clients, sometimes there's frustration because it's not, you know, you can get pretty immediate results with a ketogenic diet and there's nothing against it. There's lots of research to show that it significantly reduces inflammation. You can have major weight loss. Um, it's just some, it, for a lot of people, it's not sustainable. Right. Um, so it's finding ways to sustain those improvements and changes that you've made right. so that you can go on and you can build on that. I love it, Karen, because, you know, because this, this, you're talking about a way of life. You're not talking about, okay, we're going to fix this thing now and then go back to, your, you know, but a way of life that you can enjoy and feel that you're living and thriving and flourishing and whatever adjective you want to add to it. I mean, I, I love it. That sounds so good. So what led you, and I love your company name, by the way, your firm's name, Discover, and I'm going to put the emphasis for on it, Discover You Coaching. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how did that come to you? I love that name. Oh, well, so I was building on my marketing background, of course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that aspect has certainly come in, come into being a, what they, you know, a wellnesspreneur is a, a new name, I guess they've come up with. And, and I just wanted to find something that resonated with the fact that it's not about me as the coach. No. It's about you as a human. And we're all on this journey of discovering ourselves all the time, right? Like that's the human journey. We never stop learning. We never stop evolving. So how can I partner with you, client, person, human, fellow human to discover more of what works for you mm -hmm. so that you can thrive, so that you can heal and really, you know, we're at a point on our planet where we really need more people to be, you know, thriving so we can do the work together to heal our planet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, just to, 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 uh, it's really profound, this, where we live in this space, yeah. you know, we are, we are on this, as uh, Michael Singer, I believe, says this a lot, we're on this uh, planet that's rotating in space. <laughs> that's pretty profound. You know, right. I mean, that, that says a, a lot about a lot of things. So what I'm hearing you, Karen, I'm hearing something, mm. I'm gonna call it spiritual. And you know, correct me if I'm using words that you don't like. Mm. I'm hearing something, you know, lifestyle. And I'm hearing something about wisdom inherent in each being. Mm. And my question for you is, okay, if I got this about right, and if I'm off the rocker, help correct it. <laughs> I don't mind you, you doing that. And then you know, where, where are you drawing from? But that's what I hear. I, heard, I hear something quite spiritual from you that's beyond just religion, but mm -hmm. something that's deeper. And I'm just curious about where is it coming from for you? You know, I think I've always had this deep connection to spirit. Mm. I never knew what that meant. You know, I grew up in a very somewhat fire and brimstone Christian church. And there were certainly things I questioned at the time. And, um, but it was deeper than that. There's just this knowing that there is this non-physical that what we can't see that is present yeah. and influencing. And, um, you know, I believe in reincarnation, you know, this, like, as Albert Einstein said, like energy cannot be created or destroyed, just transformed. Yeah. 
you know, when our physical bodies go, there's still an energy there, right? And so I think that's, that's where it comes from. There is just this deep connection that I've always known. Mm-hmm. I don't know how yeah. um, that is there and guiding. And this, you know, one of my, one of my mantras is the universe always has my back. Yeah, that's wonderful. I love it. I'm gonna steal it from you, okay? <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, you know, and um, I'm sure you know uh, from a, from a physical sense, you know, you were not in line saying, "Give me multiple sclerosis," mm. but you know, you got this diagnosis. So I want to ask you just a couple of questions around that. Yeah. So, what is multiple sclerosis? The diagnosis teaching you, if anything, about love about love huh multiple sclerosis has taught me about loving myself Mm. right because for a period of time I was angry at my body right like my body had failed me how could this be happening I thought I was you know I was in the wellness space I was doing all these things and how could it fail me and so part of it was learning to love all the parts of me, no matter what. And, and then the um, accepting help from other people, which I historically not really good at um, and understanding that people, allowing people to help you is a gift to them as Indeed. well. Yes, wow. Yeah. And I really learned that lesson and this was after I was diagnosed from a friend of mine who lost her son um, at the age of nine, quite traumatically um, and unexpectedly. And walking with her through that process and seeing her ask for help and seeing what it did for the community mm-hmm. and for that family was a life-changing experience. Wow. Um, so yeah, so, so the, the diagnosis for sure, um, is just learning to love yourself as you are in the moment, which is really hard sometimes, you know? Um, and then the knowing that there's a reason, you know, I learned so much from that, that day on, you know, has led me to learn so much about myself about different modalities out there for healing um, that, and, you know, this new journey into coaching. Yeah, that's wonderful. So my other question regard, around the same subject, what has the diagnosis of muscular dystrophy, uh, muscular sclerosis, yes, yes. Uh, taught you about compassion? Oh. If, any, if anything. Yeah. Yeah. Compassion for, um, for other people experiencing, like even just hearing the diagnosis, you know, I'd never had that before and the, the fear around it, the unknown around it and knowing that there there are thousands of people who go through that experience. So compassion for Um, for people who walk that path, compassion for people in general and just not knowing you just, you don't see MS a lot of the time. 
right? So you just don't know what someone is going through, even though the exterior looks all great and shiny and lovely, what's going on on the inside of someone, whether it's emotional, physical, mental, you don't know. Um, so having compassion for others and that you don't know their story, you don't know what they're going through. Not that I didn't have it before, but it, I just became more acutely aware of it because um, you can put on a really good facade. Yeah. Um, and then compassion for myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, right. you know, and I think we all need more compassion for ourselves because we live in a society that says do more, be more, you know, do more. Mm -hmm. right don't be just do because productivity means i don't know success or something and at least that's the way i grew up like we didn't you know if there was a project to be done my parents like they didn't stop particularly on my father until that project there's no eating there's no nothing <laughs> just you know until it was finished and um i couldn't do that anymore when i was first mm -hmm. diagnosed i had to rest and that was hard for me, you know, to like lay down in the middle of the afternoon and take a nap. Like, what? Right. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. And, you know, um, gosh, sort of some of the things that made me think. Um, but one is, is that, you know, you got the diagnosis and sometimes it's easy to say, okay, you know, that's it for my life. I'm right. Quit one life. And, Mm. on a chair and look out the window. Yeah. But you didn't do that. You got the diagnosis. You did training at the Mayo Clinic. You did training in functional nutrition. And you started a coaching firm. Mm. What, what kept you going? What, what took you there, Karen? I, you know, a big part of it is just my family. You know, I have, I had, you know, two younger kids at the time and thinking about what kind I, how I wanted to show up as a parent for them, you know, meant I, I need energy. I need to be in top performance in order to be the kind of parent that I want to be, yeah. you know, the kind of mother um, so I really didn't think about it. Not that I didn't have my woe is me days for sure. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, there were lots of up and downs as we're doing the MRIs and a lesion comes up, you know, um, for sure. But, uh, and probably also a belief that there's something in here for me oh. to, to figure out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I got this, it. Isn't, this isn't it. Right. Yeah. I got it. I like it. <clears throat> well, you probably have heard of the name David Goggins. He's a extreme fitness guru, I suppose. Sure. And he, you know, he's all over the internet, uh, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, and he's written a pretty good book. Mm -hmm. Can't hurt me. And he said this. And I'm going to ask you this question. He said, um, uh, "Let's say that there is God, and that his carcass, his body, dies." And then he meets God upon the, you know, the moment his body dies. And God is saying, Goggins, you know, this is where you're supposed to be in the world because I put all of this stuff on you. And this is, he, Goggins said, he said, he wants God to know 
that he exceeded all of the expectations that God had prepared for him and transcended all of the obstacles. So I want to ask you a kind of different question. Let's say that you meet God hmm. and that you know you're supposed to have been, you know, Karen, business, work, all of these kinds of things. Uh, and then God asks you, Karen, you know, what do you think you have offered to serve the world based upon the obstacles that are put in your path? What would you want to tell God? I would say that my hope was that I was able to show up with kindness and compassion and to maybe show there's a different path. Yeah. There was a different path for that, you know, someone may not have thought of, but more than anything, um, I think the other thing that, and is so missing for some people is that when I'm with people, they feel seen and heard. Mm. That's good. Yeah. That's where so many people, you know, feel invisible, you yeah. know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Or that what they have to say doesn't matter or, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's great. So I said, so as a coach, you, you try to get them to see their greatness. You pull something out of them. But then that's, that's awesome, Karen. Yeah. So look, we've covered. Huh? I said that's the goal. Yeah. So look, um, what is there anything else you care to share with us that I have not asked you today? Share. I just, you know, that there is greatness within each one of us, and to find the people in your life that help you to lift you up and help you find that greatness because you, you can't do it alone. You know, I think we live in a world, even though we're more connected than we used to be, but we're also a lot of people feeling more isolated and lonely. And it's just, we were meant for community and support. And so find, surround yourself with those people whether it's a coach or anybody, right? Like, you know, family members, friends, um, pastors, whatever, spiritual guides that help you find your own greatness within because yeah. it's there for everyone. Yeah. Well, throughout this conversation and just now you have given us the elements of self-determination theory. Early on, you said, we have the power to make some choices concerning our health. Yeah. And here, you know, education, you gotta learn about this stuff. And then finally, a community relatedness. So yeah. that's what you've just told us that those key elements appear in your work. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Okay. Well, Karen, I really enjoyed my time with you today. And uh, thank you for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Okay. Well, you've been listening to the Possibility Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Middleton. Our guest today has been Karen Dent, the founder of Discover You Coaching. Oh, Karen, before I go, I would like to put some information about Discover You Coaching where I write the description. Would you please uh, send me something on that, a link or something to that website? Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Karen, once again, thank you for being with us today. 
Thank you.